Today, ladies and gentlemen, I'm very fortunate to be chatting to Dr. Bill Campbell. And Bill is a professor of exercise science at the University of South Florida. And Bill was also the past president of the International Society of Sports Nutrition. And where's the best place that people can find your work and your research, Bill? Uh, the best place is my Instagram account. That's at Bill Campbell, PhD. So I'm, I give updates on what we're doing in my lab. I'm going to be talking to Bill today about uh, fat loss and the nuances and all the stuff that goes with it um, as we are looking to reduce sort of body fat. So the first question I've got for you, Bill, is um, weight loss has quite an effect on the body, how it can affect uh, some of our hormones, um, how it can affect muscle protein synthesis, and affects our metabolism a bit. So if we could just go into how and what hormones, um, you know, fat loss will have an effect on during dieting. Sure, and I, I think it's important for me to say my research focuses on non-obese individuals. So. Mm -hmm. I kind of, I like to say I like to help people optimize their physiques within a maintainable lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And generally what I'm helping is people who are already fitness enthusiasts, who are already in fairly good shape, who want to get leaner. So that's kind of the focus. So that's where a lot of my experience comes from. Mm -hmm. So uh, some of the things that I will discuss may not apply to an obese population. Okay. They may, and I think many of them do, but I do have to stay true to what I have actually researched, which is um, fat loss in people who don't have a lot of fat to lose. Okay. So just those looking to optimize sort of their physique and get in yeah. better shape. Yeah. Great. And, and with that, these aren't people that are necessarily bodybuilders. So these mm. aren't people that are going to step on stage. Some of them do. And I and I really like to study what bodybuilders do because I learn a lot from bodybuilders. So I like to apply what I learn and then kind of scale it down or, again, just make it maintainable for the average person who wants to look a little bit better. So with that context, mm. your question was about weight loss and hormones? Yes. So how when we're reducing sort of weight, what effect during dieting will that have on hormones? And, you know, what, what, are, these, what are these hormones and how can that affect like um, appetite and uh, hunger, etc.? Yeah, so in terms of just the hunger hormones, the, the two that are most often discussed with dieting are ghrelin and leptin. My lab has not looked at ghrelin at all, but from what I know about ghrelin, it's more of an acute hunger hormone. So as you are on a diet on an acute basis or you're, you're reducing your food intake, ghrelin will be produced, which sends a signal to your brain to say, hey, I'm hungry. So it's feed me now. The other hormone that's related is called leptin. The Most of the leptin is secreted from fat cells. And I... I think the best way to describe leptin is it's not like ghrelin in the sense that it's an acute response. It's a little bit more of a chronic caloric deficit or fat loss response to dieting. So one thing we've noticed in our lab is as people diet and as they lose weight, 
their leptin levels go down. And that has the 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 condition then of, of making them feel hungrier. So it's correlated with, as leptin levels go down, it's correlated with losses of body fat. And that makes sense because fat produces the majority of leptin. So if you have less fat, it makes sense that you're producing less. And it's also correlated with decreased calories. So both of those things seem to impact leptin levels. Now, one thing that we have done in one of our case series studies, I have a grad student who's now a former grad student, James Longstrom. We looked at physique athletes who competed and we did track leptin going into their show and then coming out of their show. And the as they gained weight back and as they brought calories back in after their diet, their leptin levels returned to more normal levels mm-hmm. for, for them. So more closer to baseline levels. Okay. And uh, well, go ahead. And yes, uh, so with regards to um, muscle protein synthesis, so when we're dieting, how much can that have an effect? Let's say sort of a moderate calorie deficit when we're dieting, how much can that affect muscle protein synthesis? So there was a study that um, that I recently summarized in, in a talk that I did, and this was by um, Pasiakos and his team. And what they did they had, I think it was a two to three week caloric deficit of just normal physically active people. And they reduced their calories by 20% and they measured muscle protein synthesis prior to going on the diet. And then after they were on this 20% caloric deficit and they measured rates of muscle protein synthesis. Mm -hmm. And they found that muscle protein synthesis was decreased by 19%. Let's just call it 20% to the caloric deficit. So I believe that's one of the, if not the only, it's one of the only studies that has shown this. And these were not obese individuals. These were these were physically fit people, not necessarily highly resistance trained. Mm. There's evidence to suggest that when you reduce your calories, your muscle protein synthesis rates are going to go down. So that tells me it's harder to gain muscle when on a diet. Now, that being said, I'm going to sound a little bit, a uh, little bit of an oxymoron statement here. It is possible to gain muscle when in a caloric deficit. I don't think it's common, but there's been a number of published studies that have reported that. And of course, I'm sure you know of people, I know of people that I've tracked as they get ready for bodybuilding shows. They do gain muscle in a caloric deficit. So I can't tell you that I know how that happens or why that happens. I was taught as a when I you know as a grad student 15 years ago, that's impossible. You can't gain muscle in a caloric deficit. And it's it's I'm sure part of that is when we say muscle, we're I'm referring to like a two-compartment model of body composition where we're assuming everything that's not fat is muscle. So some of that could be water weight, um, just the air in the the skin folds or the DEXA or BOD pod. But at the same time, people do get stronger. So I, I, there is the possibility of gaining muscle in a caloric deficit, although it's not common. And what I've noticed is that happens in people who are more new to training. It's, I think it's more difficult for people who have 10, 15 years of training under their belts. So on one hand, muscle protein synthesis goes down. On the other hand, 
there is some evidence to say that some people can gain muscle. Mm -hmm. I don't, I, I, I can't, I'm, I'm I, I, unable at this point to, to grasp the reality of both. <laughs> okay. And the last point being that, um, so metabolic adaptation. So your, as you become a smaller entity, as we're dieting sort of further and further, there'll be adaptations to your metabolism. Is that, is that the case? Yeah. Yeah, so one thing that you can predict in study after study after study, I mean, it is hundreds of studies. If you lose body weight, body mass, your metabolic rate goes down. So what we try to do in my lab with these, you know, these already people who are fit, we, we put a lot of energy into trying to stop that metabolism from crashing or from lowering. Mm -hmm. And we really try to prevent the loss of muscle mass. So a lot of what we do is trying to lose fat, but just using everything we know that science has to offer to keep metabolism from lowering, which would be metabolic adaptation, mm -hmm. and to keep them from losing muscle mass. Fantastic. And on to the next question. Um, we're just going to talk to you about dieting strategies. So what would be your let's say recommendation for an energy deficit, what would you, um, let's say recommend for a, you know, uh, a percentage wise for a calorie deficit. And if someone's, let's say, again, you're talking about sort of individuals who are in a reasonably good condition. So, um, you're just your thoughts and hypothesis on let's say uh, an individual with a higher body fat percentage would it be more beneficial for them sort of to have a let's say that a similar starting percentage deficit or could they benefit from uh, let's say a bigger deficit yeah so i i'd say my, my typical recommendation is a 15 to 25 percent caloric reduction for maintenance calories mm -hmm. when you're starting and then adjust as needed so a couple other caveats to that i typically have the the philosophy that i would like you to diet on as high of calories as possible so i'm i'm Kind of, I'm, I'm opposed to crash diets where we're just reducing your caloric intake by, you know, 50% or 40% week after week after week. Now, my lab's about to start looking at some pretty severe caloric restrictions in relatively lean people, but it'll be very quick. So we're going to do, like, we're going to go in severely and then we're going to come back out. So that's mm -hmm. kind of the, the stuff that's on the horizon. But and what we're going to, one of my primary questions is, is that going to cause your metabolic rate to suffer? Is that going to cause you to lose muscle mass? If, the, if those two things happen, I don't think that's a good decision. But what we're trying to determine is, well, what is that level where those things, at what severe level of caloric restriction do we start to see those things happen? Um, but yeah, generally, I, I'll just tell you in my research studies, we recommend about a 20 to 25 percent caloric reduction from maintenance calories mm -hmm. that's and we follow our subjects for anywhere from about six to eight weeks and we see on average about a five to six pound weight loss which would be what uh 
two to three kgs over that period of time. Mm-hmm. And we've had a very good success in making the majority of that weight loss come from fat from fat uh, fat stores and and keeping muscle mass. Excellent. With regards to dieting, some of the strategies that we can implement to make uh, weight loss, fat loss uh, easier on the way down are things like uh, diet breaks. So if you could just explain sort of what you would qualify as a diet break and how that can be beneficial to an individual on the way down. I think the uh, the a definition of a diet break, I think it's helpful to have more of a, a broader context. And to do that, let's start with what a linear diet is. A linear diet is one where you're dieting week after week, month after month, without ever taking a break. A concept known as nonlinear dieting says we're going to take some breaks at certain points where we're not going to diet every day, week after week. The most common application of that is called a diet break, and that's typically one. Some, t- some research has looked at two weeks of going back to maintenance calories. So you're stopping your diet and you are increasing your food. Now it's important to note that you're not you're not, not allowed to eat whatever you want and going crazy high on calories. You are going back to a caloric maintenance where you shouldn't gain or lose weight at that at that caloric intake. So that's a that's how I would define diet break. Another related term is diet refeed, and that's not quite taking – that's not a week of a break. It's like a weekend or one or two days. So you might diet Monday through Friday, and then on the weekends take a break from the diet. And that would be called a diet break. But all of these strategies are conceptualized under the term nonlinear dieting. Mm-hmm. How would the nonlinear or diet break sort of benefit an individual? Yeah, so I'm aware of two studies that did um, at least two weeks of a diet break. In in both of these studies, they found a they found that it didn't hurt the dieter. So let's start there. Hmm. What we can appreciate, especially with physique athletes, is the longer and longer you're in a diet, the greater and greater your body fights future fat loss. So your body just becomes more and more resistant. That's a natural response to dieting. And specifically what happens is your metabolic rate slows down and you start to lose muscle mass. So the idea of a diet break, it says, okay, let's let's stop dieting. Let's take a break. That The research has shown it causes the metabolic rate to maybe not rise but not get lower. And it also helps to maintain muscle mass. So that's the strategy for how diet breaks work. So once you're on a diet break and now you go back into a diet phase, your body is more primed to lose fat than if you had never taken it. Now the clear trade-off is you're gonna it's gonna take longer to lose the weight because you keep taking breaks. But myself, I have a lifestyle approach to this. I think this is the ideal lifestyle for somebody who wants to lose weight over the course of a year. Plan it out for longer but have planned breaks in your diet. Nice. Good stuff. And just touching on, uh, leading into the last question you were saying about muscle preservations, what could someone implement into their lifestyle to 
let's say preserve or even build muscle whilst they're you know in a caloric deficit whilst they're losing weight what would be your recommendations for muscle preservation so we it's let me say it's difficult to build muscle when in a diet but it happens um, i'm seeing more and more published research uh, reporting that people are losing fat and gaining muscle i typically think that it's more for a beginner so somebody who hasn't been training for 10 years it's it's you're going to see what we call body recomposition which is the gain of muscle while losing fat in more inexperienced lifters now it doesn't mean it doesn't happen to experienced lifters and i think the two keys to experiencing or in, encouraging a body recomposition response is resistance exercise and likely increasing the resistance training stimulus during a diet so maybe increasing your volume, increasing your intensity, which is not hard, not easy because you're dieting, you have less energy, and then your protein intake. You don't, you you shouldn't reduce your protein intake when dieting. Reduce your carbs, reduce your fats, but protein you don't really. That's an anabolic stimulus to the muscle, so I, I'm I'm cautious about removing that. Mm. So that those are the two things that we know that will assist in gaining muscle while in a caloric deficit. And just touching on the protein, is there uh, like a, a minimum where you would advise people sort of not go below with regards to their sort of protein intake during the diet? Yeah, uh, 1.6 grams of protein per kilogram of body mass. So there's a few studies in lean people, not many, and I think these were mostly athletic populations, where when the athletes went below that amount, they lost quite quite large amounts of their muscle mass. So maybe up to 50% of their weight loss came from lean body mass stores. In some cases, it was two-thirds of the weight loss were coming from muscle mass. Mm -hmm. And in every instance where we see that, protein levels were below 1.6 grams per kg. Okay, fantastic. Lovely. That's all the questions I have. Thank you very much for sure. taking the time to talk to me today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. All right.